welcome to the Education for Social Change podcast. I am Lucas Walrich, and in this podcast, I'm interviewing educators, researchers, innovators, policymakers, and entrepreneurs to hear how they are trying to shape education to make the world a better place, one way or the other. In this episode, I'm speaking to Sandra Ricker, who is the Education Technology Specialist at Kinoa School in Berlin. Kinoa is a school that focuses on meeting the needs of disadvantaged students in inner-city context. And like old schools, they've been shut down for a couple of weeks due to the corona crisis. And for them, that provided an opportunity and a challenge to digitize rapidly. In the conversation, Sandra shares how they managed that, how they tried to continue addressing students' social and emotional needs throughout the crisis, and how that might actually serve as a starting point to enable more digital learning in the long run. The Conversation Sandra shares a lot of practical approaches to sustaining learning during the crisis. So I hope you'll find this interesting and potentially useful if you work in that field. Okay, so Firstly, I wanted to ask you about what Kinoa actually is, because private schools are very rare in Germany, and most of the ones I know at least are rather elitist. This is a school that's quite different. So what is it about? Yeah, hi. So um, yeah, Kinoa is actually more of a school project and um, like a school model than like a real private school. Yeah, we are privately funded and uh, founded, but the purpose of this school is to show a slightly different way of learning and how how a private school organization can actually help to provide good and a bit different um, education than than the public school system currently provides in Germany and that's not for for elite um families or children whatever that may may be in detail um but the purpose of this school is actually to help families from um, a slightly weaker social background, um, less funded. Sometimes uh, the parents are out of work. Sometimes they work um, an amazing amount of hours in jobs that are not very well paid. So our students come from um, a part of the town that has its challenges um, regarding its social structure. And that's uh, actually what this school is all about, to give a good education and give a good perspective for the future, for the future of those um, children. And I've seen that the school so far certainly succeeds at getting more students through the school leaving exams. Basically, has students who perform strong academically. Um, yes. What else are you trying to achieve? Um, actually, the, the dropout rate in public schools, uh, especially in this area where Kinoa is located, is amazingly high. So what we are trying is to keep a very close relationship to our students and uh, also to the families and to provide them with like every support they need um, to get rid of all the obstacles that usually um, prevent um, students from actually finishing school and um, finishing with good grades to have even the opportunity um, to get a good job. Um, and so this is what we're doing. We were trying to um, do via organizational and um, like uh, the school cultural um, little tricks kind of um, to help them to get their lives a good start. Mm -hmm. And it's a secondary school, so I think it goes from grades 7 to 10. Yes. Um, how many students do you have approximately? 
Um, approximately 150, maybe currently slightly less, but that's um, the amount of number we're talking about. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I think one of the things so I've been following, you know, for a couple of years, uh, and one of the things I find very interesting is um, how you try to build really close relationships to your students in all kinds of different ways. Um, one of the big questions I, I have is how you tried to sustain that during the lockdown while, while schools yeah. were closed. <laughs> That's a good question. Yes. Um, so, so the thing is that once the students are all at home, you can imagine that they have a lot of um, pressure on them. One would think, okay, what kind of pressure could, I don't know, um, a lot of free time um, mean for, for students or for kids or grow um, teenagers these days. But um, first, um, the families usually live in quite narrow circumstances. So if you have a room of your own and you have a computer of your own and you have, I don't know, some kind of streaming service, then filling time is, is not a question. If you're doing it on a good way, it's another thing. But um, if you have a, a room that you share with two or three siblings and your parents work, work all day and you have to kind of take care of the kids because they're at home like you, um, then this is a very kind of different uh, matter. So what we try to do is to get into contact with um, students very quickly um, via different channels. Usually it's the phone as like one of the first channels, phone the parents, phone the students um, a lot and ask what they're up to. Uh, and then we established some digital routines that helped us and them to stay in contact and to get them into some kind of working routine also. So what we thought would be very helpful is that we actually give them um, homework during that period of quarantine and um, that we also kind of like do a wake up call every morning, like not really like calling them. That was out of the question after a couple of days, but um, that we had some kind of chat rooms that we said, okay, please um, say hello until like nine o'clock or 10 o'clock or whatever. And um, then the teachers, the homeroom teachers, they built a, a really nice um, habit of sending the, the students uh, like little messages and videos uh, of them, like motivational speeches or little funny and silly things um, just to get keep the students interested in in what's going on with the te with their teachers and uh, what's going on with the school, so that was the first step actually. And how how did students engage with that? Um, how can you tell? So we do have a lot of students that react very very well to the this kind of approach. Um, so what we do is we do have like um, little classroom chats and also like keep contact with the students um, via um, like phone phone calls because not every student is on the chat yet or sometimes they don't react and then we call them. Um, but there are actually students that you have to take care better of. Like it's not just enough to send a message every morning and then they get out of bed by themselves and um, text you or they send you the um, replies to the tasks you give them but you um we, we started to really keep track of what every student um did as as homework and as task um every week and so we we really try to to have that kind of engagement as an ongoing process so um the, our students they they have their challenges 
but sometimes they're also um, like really bored. So, so um, a lot of students, they really enjoy if we are doing some kind of live sports class, for example. I know that two of our teachers um, offer that. And so, yeah, you see, it's a mixture of um, like keeping um, contact with them and to keep that relationship ongoing um, via just like personal contact via the phone um, and digital tools and digital tasks and things and workflows. So if you like, I can explain a little bit what we're doing yeah, currently yeah. As, as a digital workflow. Yes, so um, since students don't really respond very good if there's anything um, like a bit tricky or if they have to type in their passwords and that they keep forgetting and whatever, you know how they are. Um, we had to establish a very low-key workflow at first. So what we're doing is um, you can go to a Padlet of your class and you'll find for every day a couple of tasks that um, teachers put in there. And also there from the homeroom teachers, um, sort of um, like those motivational videos or like personal messages. Um, sometimes they, the teachers, they post um, kind of very, very good information about how to keep safe during Corona times uh, and stuff like that. So it's not all about school, but it's also about um, like mindfulness, about uh, mental health, well-being and um, keeping yourself safe during this challenging time. And um, so that's what the students can, can go to, but they have to do it actively. What is a bit more like keep it coming to me um, style is that we do um, classroom chats with um, a couple of classes and um, or like special groups. So the teachers invite a couple of students or they invite a class to attend um, like an online session. And usually it's not about content, but it's more about communication. Sometimes teachers also, they, they do offer like hardcore content um, because sometimes um, in physics or in math, students, they really want also some kind of support in that sense. But usually we do have a couple of sessions during the week where teachers kind of invite a couple of students to an online session where it's not so much about the topic, but it's more about the event and getting together and um, talking together. And this is also kind of um, important for a lot of students so that they also have like the feeling of connection with each other. So it's not only about the connection to their teachers, but also the connection with each other um, is an important part. Um, yeah, well, since a couple of weeks, we were allowed to start school again with very limited um, classes. So, well, yeah, now we have to face the challenge of combining the digital formats and the actual uh, process in the classroom. Because sometimes now we do have um, classes that come in in small groups and then they stay for like two or three hours in school um, a day and then they go home again and they have to work then um, a bit more on the, the tasks they are given digitally. So that's what we're doing currently and standing currently. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I want to come back to how you're doing this blended learning at the moment. Um, but let me ask you first about the online phase, because one thing you already mentioned was that not all students had access in the beginning. Yes. So how did you deal with that, with getting the students <laughs> connected? 
Well, we, we are in the lucky position that we have so many people that believe in our concept um, that we actually managed to get um, a bunch of laptops just before the lockdown. It was just really like they came in like a week before and we were, they were set up and, and stuff. And um, then we were able to give them to the students that were in need of a good device to to work on um, digital content. You know what? It, I, of course, it's kind of a common saying that every student has their mobile phone anyway, and why not do bring your own device all the time in school and stuff? But in reality, um, a lot of families they may have two or three mobile phones, but um, the capability of those mobile phones for um, for learning is so limited. Sometimes they don't even have space enough on there to um, to to install the the video chat um, or video conferencing software. So um, we had to solve that, and um, all of our devices are out there now. So we had a very short term decision to set up contracts with the parents, and so the students um, came one by one with their parents um, to our school and could. If they wanted, could um, could have a device for the time of the lockdown. Now, at that time, we thought it would maybe last until end of April. But um, well, they still have the devices. We're still not um, in school again. So um, I think they they just will work with them uh, until the end of the school year. And whatever next school year brings, uh, we will see how we will do, deal with that. And. Uh, but yes, we gave them devices. And I know a couple of schools that also have devices decided also to give them um, to the students. It's a kind of very unusual decision because as a school, usually you're lucky if you have devices and you never, ever want to give them into the households of um, of families um, because, you know, whatever the contracts would be kind of difficult and complicated and whatever um, if, if the, in the families the devices would break or um, they, they would be stolen. That always difficult issues to decide and to, to handle. But in this case, everything else wouldn't have been an option. So we took the risk and handed them out. Yeah, yeah they were in a fortunate position that you, that you had the devices, but it's great to hear that the students now, now have them. Okay, and now you're in a situation where probably most schools will, will end up and be for quite a while of socially distanced learning when students come in for some of the time, uh, but by far not all of the time. So how are you dealing with that and how are you prioritizing what should take place in the classroom and what can take place remotely? Um, yes, we, we're definitely um, setting up a structure currently. What um, what we decided was that doing the, the uh, main topics, like in, in our case, German, math and English, um, they are the ones that go first and um, are being taught in in school. And then there are a couple of um, like side topics that are taught in a in a much smaller way. So sometimes once a week or uh, twice a week, um, a class might might have also um, a lesson of politics or of uh, of history or whatever. Um, but most of those um, lessons or most of those content are um, covered by by online tasks so we really focus on the main topics and then the rest is, is yeah covered as it was before um via the tasks on on the padlets mm -hmm. and, and is that based on on exam requirements or why, why did you make that decision <laughs> um yes originally it was um actually um all 
um, exam requirements because the the um, classes that were supposed to go back to school um, were supposed to take those exams. That has changed, actually. But still, it is um, the case that now, even though they don't have to take um, their, their exams anymore, they um, the, the grades that they um, get during this um, last period of the year will be the defining grades for like for for their um, certificates so even though they don't have to take like real exams where you um, where you work on your tasks for like three hours uh, in a row um, still they do have to do like like little tests and um, they do have to they, they will be graded and those grades that they achieve this year will be their certificate grades so still it makes sense to focus on those grades that actually decide whether or not um, you will succeed at school or not mm, yeah that makes sense with regard to uh, these aspects of relationship building and community building is that something you try to focus on more in school now again or is it working quite well on Padlet and online um this relationship building um is so during the first days in school uh, or the first day there was no lesson at all so so we actually had our first day or days one or two days with the classes just focusing on how are we doing currently what can be done to overcome obstacles that prevent you from learning and doing your tasks at home um, but also just connecting and reconnecting the groups uh, were main focus so yes um, we do still even if now we have slightly a more regular timetable um have a lot of times um during this uh, during the week where we focus just on talking together or getting in contact with the, with the classes and providing information gathering information more those informal um class settings and class times mm -hmm. yeah and you have personally worked on getting schools to embrace technology more for i think almost a decade now Yes. And presumably in the past half year or in the past even two months, that has all accelerated a lot. So yes. yes. Do, do you want to describe that journey a bit in, in the understanding of schools? Yes, yes, yes. You hear me laughing because it's, you know, everyone that has been working on this um, for a couple of years now is getting this feeling of finally they get it. Now finally they're on their way. Yes. Ah, thank God. So, yes. Um, I love it. I love the the pace that um, this um, everything took. Although some say, well, yeah, but everything what's, uh, that schools do now it should be more conceptually funded. And um, some just go in head over heels in, in all kinds of wild action taking. Actually, um, I don't care because um, currently I see that this is um, a phase of where the need actually accelerates a lot of processes. And yes, definitely schools will make faults or will uh, whatever, will, will take little maybe stupid decisions, but um, it doesn't matter. So currently everything is maybe a bit chaotic and, and wild, but it will be um, after a couple of months a lot better. And then they will have a lot of experience more to decide then okay, this is a keeper, this should go, yes. So I love this phase, actually, where everyone really needs and wants um, the digital change. What do you think were the main barriers? Why, why was change quite slow until now? Mm. 
Or, or was, it, was it slow? I mean, from the outside, <laughs> to me, it looks like it was quite slow. But. Yeah. Um, what were the barriers? So on the barriers, there were barriers and still are actually on different levels. So um, one level, of course, is like the organizational level. So as an organization, um, if you want change, you, you always need a very strong motivation for it. And if there's no motivation coming on or no pressure coming to schools, um, neither from, from governmental side nor from the teacher side. So there is actually no no real motivation. So nothing changes. So so even if there might be then one or two um, head teachers in, in schools that really like to enforce digital workflows and stuff. So it's very hard then to, to get that process going if there's no real need felt from important sides, kind of. And now it's that um, at least the teachers and and students um, they see that without that change and without digital tools there would be no school, so it's actually no option to do things in, but to do it digitally. Well, it's no option is is maybe a wrong thing. So so some schools they actually do um, copy papers and copy, not papers, but copy paper and, and copy tasks. And they print out stuff for their students. And um, like every week, students or their teachers or, or their parents have to come to school and, and get a pack of paper and deliver a pack of paper. But usually the schools, they um, teachers have now seen that without digital uh, workflows, it's actually not really feasible to work with the so I get how right now yes. teachers see the value of technology because, yes. as you say, school wouldn't be happening, wouldn't be functioning yes. well, yes. at least, without it. I'm not sure if that really provides lasting motivation, though. So sure, they, they'll all like technology to be prepared for the next lockdown, <laughs> but let's yes. hope that won't come soon. How do you think it can really shift? Or how, how can it be sustained, that use of technology? Um I I feel that at least uh, what I what I get from from teachers that I talk to is that some thought before okay I don't see the point in digital um, processes and I don't see that my students will gain anything from it um, and so now and they they were kind of afraid that they would be capable of doing this. Um, and doing the different tasks that come with it, preparing digital material, setting up or, or finding interesting tasks for the students to do, engaging tasks that the students can do. And then now I think with this experience, they have a lot more self-confidence in their own capabilities of um, coping with those digital things like the usual technology stuff that can go wrong. And now they are more resilient in that sense. And then, um, yeah, well, they, I think they, they also saw that the students react very well and respond very well to that. So, so I think they, the experience will really make the difference here. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I think your, your role at Kino is actually quite interesting because it seems that they had decided before the current crisis to to try to move more towards digital. So what's your role there and how did that come about? Yes. So what you usually have in public schools in, in Germany, but also in a lot of private schools, is that um, you want um, 
technology to happen or to to be fruitful for the educational process and you want to um, do some kind of shift and change management towards digital processes and then as a school you have no one to take care of that. Um, so what some districts do is they do provide a role for, for teachers to be some kind of media consultants or media educational consultants. And then you get like one or two lessons per week less. And you can take care of like 10 schools that can come and ask you questions or where you can do some kind of supporting hours or calls or whatever. But that is as you could already imagine, um, by far not sufficient. And it's not really helpful if you have a person somewhere in some school that you could call if you have a question about educational technology. So what works very well already in international schools is a different approach to have actually one person in school that is not really necessarily a technician, but um, that has like a hinge between the pedagogy and the technology. So um, those persons, those, those people are called um, edtech coaches, educational technology coaches or um, edtech specialists. And that is a model that works very well in international schools. So in Germany, if you want to have that kind of person, usually there is no funding for it. And as a private school, you may have the funding, but you also have to have the idea that this is really a helpful thing. And there is um, what Kinoa is all about, like looking around you and uh, looking at what already works um, well in an international context. And they just thought, okay, yeah, we need someone like like that also, we need someone that drives that educational change and that digital change. And um, so they actually have now um, me. Like, I think they are the first German school that I ever saw in Germany, in Berlin, um, that um, offered a position like that. And I'm very glad that I have it. So, um, yes, I think it's a good thing. Um I've done this actually um, already in 2016-17 in the German European School in Singapore. But this is also like an international school. It is like a German school, yes, but obviously in a very international context. Um, and the difference of a, having a person like in school that is doing this kind of support and coaching and um, driving also like the pedagogical um, change that is that it's much more possible to build the connection to the team than just having a phone number or an email address where you possibly could reach someone if you have a question. So like having this um, like direct um, connection and being part of the team, in my case, um, is really what makes the difference. Could you maybe describe with some example that happened before the crisis uh, started, what that work looks like? How did you support the use of technology, maybe in the autumn? Well, in, in our case, um, the when I started, also our first one-to-one -one class started that used or where the students have one-to-one, -one, each has um, a device that they can use during class hours. And that was... An interesting process because if you have suddenly a lot of devices in, in school, and also we do have devices that um, teachers can, um, can get from, from the shelf for, for other classes, um, not only like this one-to-one -one class, but all other classes can um, use devices also. So if you have 
suddenly um, uh, a large amount of devices and then a team that hasn't worked with them before. Um, then it's um, first that you have to set up the devices and get a concept of how to distribute and how to set them up with what kind of restrictions, with what kind of possibilities. Um, we, we had to set up um, a good list of apps that we want to use in the first steps, um, not too wide, not like pushing everything that is possible onto the devices, but like having a good collection um, that teachers could work with. And then, yeah, my work is and, and was to pitch um, different yeah, pedagogical situations or apps or tasks to the, to the team and say, okay, do you want to use this? Um, it can do that and that for you and your students in the classroom. And then um, if it's needed, go with the teachers into the classroom and help them make it happen. Yeah, I can see that it's a very helpful role in overcoming some of the barriers that exist within schools where, where teachers might not feel confident or might just not have time to think through these processes. Um, what does the kind of supply side look like? Do, do you get a sense that there are enough good tools or is, is there still stuff missing there? No, the, when it comes to, um, to supplies, I would say... Yeah, we, we do have plans and things that, that are not still, um, still not in place. For example, we would really love to go one to one with all our classes. Um, but it was just in the first step not possible to raise all the funds, um, to get iPads for all our students. But we will get there. It will maybe take one or two years, but we will get there. Um, the important part is that when it comes to apps or, um, other things that, are needed for, for different uh, digital tasks like microphones or lights or whatever. Um, we always manage to get good concepts together and pitch them to, to our partners or um, people that really um, support us. And then usually we manage to, to get the funds um, for that. So we're in a very good position or a privileged position um, to being able to show what we're doing and to uh, make people excited about it. And then they, they help us mm. do what we do. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. Yes. You already said that in the, in the current rush to, to digitize, of course, some mistakes are, are being made um, that, that hopefully people kind of spot and correct. Um, yes. But are there some things you, you frequently see or that you maybe saw before that people should avoid? Um. That is a good question. Yes, well, currently I see that within teams, um, the approaches um, differ. So, so what I see in some schools that I, or that I hear sometimes from students that they don't talk to each other a lot or they don't um, like speak with a, with a kind of unified voice. So what happens sometimes in, in schools is, um, that some teachers, they do um, great, they, they set up great tasks, they um, interact great with their students, um, and some of the teachers, they don't. So what, what would be nicer um, if, if um, the teams in the school would support each other more? So what I would like to see is that um, schools would try to, to be more coherent in their approach so that everyone in the team knows what is expected from them and then has like a minimum set of things that they actually do with the students or, or require from the students. An example, um, 
it would be really good if, if schools would set up or, or define um, one or two um, workflows for teachers to communicate with the students about their tasks and ways of um, in which the students can deliver what they have worked on. So I see um, a couple of schools that provide some kind of toolbox and say, okay, yeah, you could try this and this and this. And then the students, they have to kind of um, try to figure out on which channel they got um, tasked by the teachers or they have to figure out on which platform they have to deliver the the their photocopies or the the photographed um, results to their physics teacher for example or and then the english teacher is using something different so that is um, a strategy that i think doesn't work very well so because sometimes then students they just lose track uh, of the things they they were supposed to do or the ways they should um, deliver their their work um and i think the schools should actually keep track of what worked well and what doesn't. So, so to have like really a design cycle. So try things out, but then again, have a, like every week or every two weeks, um, a short reflection of what works well and what should be improved. Um, because then you get more a team that really is helping and supporting each other instead of like just having a lot of separate teachers doing their thing. They're doing digital thing, good for them, but it's better if everyone can actually share their experience and mm -hmm. yeah, reflect on them. Yeah, for that, of course, it's great if a school has something like your role, if a school has someone who can coordinate it, um, but otherwise, yeah, they somehow still need to, need to organize consistently. Um, I, I've seen that, that you've published a list of the tools and apps that you're using uh, at Kinoa, but of course it's in German. So I wanted to ask <laughs> you just briefly what maybe the three or four uh, specific tools are that you find most useful that, that people should check out. For, for this time or for just general? Because it's a bit different usually what we do in the classroom uh, with our iPads than what we do currently in um, with the students at home. Um, for, well, then maybe yeah. the top three for each. Um, <laughs> I was mostly asking about the time now, but of course the time yes, will yes. pass. Well, um, currently it's all about keeping in, in contact with the students. And what we're doing um, is our main tool to work with is actually um, the Padlet. Padlet.com is a platform um, where you can set up some kind of like walls with, with sticky posts and the sticky posts cannot be only be filled with like text but you can also have like multimedia content in it like videos and or record voice messages or whatever and have links to websites and stuff so so it's um very flexible for this purpose um, of communicating content to someone you could use it also for communicating with the group so that the group can also post um, stuff on it But actually that didn't work too well with us because you don't like really get to talk about what was posted then. So, so we're leaving that for a little later where we have actually the classes again in the classroom. Um, so the Padlet is then accompanied by um, video conferencing and messaging. And actually we had already um, for a while now um, Office 365 
that we used for for like regular stuff like um, word processing and doing some slides and stuff. But um, now it really was good that we already had that in place. So now we're using the Teams um, section or the Teams option for chatting with the students and for them to upload tasks and results to us. There's also like an option to set up actually tasks for, for classes. And in with some classes, we already use that also. So that makes it a bit easier for the teachers to grade things and to see who delivered something and, and who didn't. Um, so those are the components, actually, the video conferencing and the Teams, like chat and task um, options that together with the Padlet are currently our most valued stuff um, or most used stuff, at least. Then again, we do have a couple of online platforms that um, were really helpful, but they are more topic focused. So, so we do have a, a platform where you can um, have video um, tutorials um, for different school topics. SofaToto, for example, um, it's a German site, or we do use um, something for to do slightly interactive um, like games um, for, for the students. It is called Anton, um, also very popular in Germany currently. But that is all like online platforms that accompany this mainframe. And when we are in school and have our iPads um, like in our hands, then we do use a lot um, iMovie to do movies. Um, in the classroom or stop motion movies was something that a teacher um, currently discovered worked very well for her. But we also do then a lot of slides and video and research, of course. But having the iPads actually in, in our hands in the classroom is much different than um, doing this um, yeah, blended learning or distance learning thing. Sure, yeah. Those sound like really helpful platforms. And at the university where I teach, we also discovered uh, Microsoft Teams uh, that no one had ever really thought about before. It's a very helpful tool. Um, I think a while back you did some work with educational publishers to digitize education materials. Um, and I wanted to ask you about that because at least at university level where I see it, digital education materials tend to be PDFs or maybe enhanced PDFs where you can search properly, but I haven't seen many other things. So how do you see that transition happening from, from paper-based materials to actually really helpful digital materials? Well, yeah, what, what I see is currently that um, kind of the internet um, is all over video for learning. So video is, I think, the next logical step if you think about um this distance learning process where you're not as a teacher actually standing in front or next to your student and can explain things. So you think, okay, who could explain it? Well, maybe I could explain it via video or someone else could explain it. So I think video is like currently the, the main um, media thing that is used in school. But um, in the long run, or even in the mid mid run, um, I think augmented reality will definitely be something that is more, even more fruitful for the learning process. So that's what actually um, our, we will do uh, more in the future. We already have um, quite a lot of um, apps to to use augmented reality. And we will foster that more for the learning process so that the students 
can engage more with the room, with the like with the body and the content. So to have more of a a learning experience in discovering things, in having to walk from one topic maybe or from one information piece to a different spot uh, and space that will do more for the learning process in the future, I think. Yeah, given, given everything that we know about memory and how important this association yes. between information and places is, yeah. that, that sounds very powerful. I haven't looked at any of those tools, but that sounds really helpful. Um, moving towards the close, I wanted to ask you, if because I ask everyone, um, if you could have a big billboard anywhere, what message would you like to get out to the world at the moment? Um, definitely, would, there would be keep calm on it. But the question is, what's, what's the next phrase? Um, so what I, what I think is, well, keep calm and keep engaged. So don't, don't get trapped in this distance, distant thing where you think, okay, well, yeah, whatever. I don't see my students. Um, it doesn't matter if, if they do their task today or tomorrow. So just, Keep that, that fire and that spark in yourself and also, of course, in the students. So that's what's actually school is all about, to, to have through that relationship um, an interest in each other and also, of course, in learning new things. So, and yeah, that's, I think, the most important part. Keep that alive. Yeah, keep calm and keep engaged. I think I'll, I'll put that on a post-it note <laughs> uh, so that I can see it. Very helpful. And Is there anything that you really changed your mind about through the rapid digitization experience of the past couple of months? Oh, yeah. I discovered that within our team, we do have really, really great resources um, of supporting each other. So I would have never imagined that so many of my colleagues were so eager to produce like little explanation and tutorials um, for example, for their students, considering like technical things. So usually I would consider this my job, like, okay, I'm the support girl. And if anything needs to be explained, how to log on to, I don't know, to the teams or whatever. Um, yeah, okay, it's me that's doing this um, little, maybe a little bit boring work of, of doing a little tutorial video. But um, I had so much help from uh, a lot of teachers who were just so... Yeah, so elegantly doing um, these things for their students, helping them and um, providing them with not only the information, but also like with very cool videos and, and messages, considering these things that I thought, okay, well, yes. So they don't lean back and think, okay, let's, let's see what happens. But they were really um, already, um, we're already there, mind, mind wise and also like skill wise. Very cool. Mm. Great. So they, they are staying engaged in line with your guidance. Um, is there anything I should have asked? Anything you still want to share? Well, yeah. Um, I think as a teacher, um, don't be so hard on yourself currently and not so hard on your students. So I saw that um, quite a lot of schools were really, really like, um, okay, taking all the, their organization or like their structure and doing a lot, a lot of tasks um, that they gave to the, to the students. So the students had suddenly so much more work than they would have had if they would just have been in school from, from 
eight to four. So, um, yeah, keep in mind that if the students have to work um, at home, there's a lot more to consider for them, especially if they do have big families at home or um, special challenges. So, um, yes, keep the expectations realistic. That's what I um, learned through these weeks, not only in my school, but um, in a lot of schools where I saw um, the workload that um, teachers gave to students and what kind of um, tasks they were given. So I thought um, I, that we all learned a lot considering this. Yes, I think that's been fascinating across sectors. And in so many academics, when, when the lockdown started, had to sense that now is the perfect time to be super productive, write all these papers. And then they realized, well, actually, there's home life. So mm. obviously also from a, from a parent perspective, also suddenly there, there are lots of other things to consider. So I think it's, yeah, it's really important not to be so hard on ourselves and on others during this difficult period. Um, thank you very much. Thank you for doing such an inspiring podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Education for Social Change. If you enjoy it, please share it with at least one friend. Also, if you have any thoughts or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. You can find my email address in the show notes. Finally, if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get this podcast, that would be much appreciated. In the next episode, I'm speaking to Chris Edwards, the CEO of Green School Taranaki in New Zealand. Chris is leading a brand new school that focuses on learning in nature, in a close community of teachers, students, and parents. At Green School, they've managed to break down the timetable and the boundaries between most subjects and to actually live the kind of innovative education that many of us hope for. They work hard to prepare students to contribute to a more sustainable world. I found the conversation with Chris fascinating and inspiring. So stay tuned. <laughs>